It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm your host Travis Hauser and we're going to get straight into this introduction. Today we are going to interview Nicole Katz. She is the mother of Asher Katz. He played a regional at US Kids, you know, and he had a tough first day. He was like sitting in 10th place or something and he's like, mom, he said to me the next morning, he's like, mom, I'm shooting even today. And I said, you know what, if that's the goal, I said, I wouldn't worry too much about the score. Just go out and try to do better than you did yesterday. And he shot the lowest score of the day one over those are the experiences where you say like this is so enjoyable for like you to see the excitement in your child's face that they're doing something that they love nicole is a single mom raising asher through the journey of golf and i know that she has had a lot of experience in sports and in parenting and she's done a lot of reflection and she's going to share all of that knowledge and information and experience she's had through the journey of raising her son asher in the game of golf with us today and i'm really excited to have this conversation with her okay nicole welcome to the show thank you thanks for having me yeah, I'm excited to hear your story and hear your perspective as a golf mom. You are the first golf mom that I have interviewed on this podcast, so that's exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I um, I love golf. I've, I've played probably now, I don't know, a little over 20 years. So, uh, oh, is that right? Great. Yeah, so it's great. We can play together. And, um, you know, he got into it, I guess, from just seeing me play at our club when he was really little. And it became, you know, a family activity, which has been really cool. So you got into golf 20 years ago. How did you get into the game of golf? So I grew up with a father who played. He played competitively. He would say now that he's not hitting the ball as well as he used to, but I grew up watching him and never really got into it until I was actually in high school, um, high school and college. Played a little bit for fun. I actually played volleyball in college, so didn't have a whole lot of time to get into golf, but um, really started getting more into it after graduating college and getting into um, the finance world where you know, you get invited to so many golf events and, you know, I always wanted to play, but I'm a little bit nervous that I wasn't going to hit the ball as well. So I took some lessons and really worked to get, you know, pretty decent at the sport and um, being able to enjoy it with Asher's just been really, really awesome. Oh, that's cool. So you obviously improved in your golf game quite a bit because if you weren't improving, you probably wouldn't have liked <laughs> the sport as much right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Golf's a tough sport, isn't it? So for me, it's if somebody's stuck with it, there's something about they enjoy. Now, not everybody always gets better, but I'm sure you definitely improved at the beginning, at least. And I'm sure you're still trying to get better yourself even to this day. But that carried over to then wanted to introduce the game to your son. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, even now I'm starting to work more on my game um, because I'm tired of Asher beating me all the time. So uh, <laughs> it's it's been awesome. I mean, we travel all over for tournaments and I'll jump in on a practice round with him and it's helped my game tremendously just to see certain things he's working on and he actually has started helping me and um, it's it's been awesome. I mean, it's such a great sport to share with your children and being able to, you know, trade ideas and keep it fun. I mean, that's the most critical thing is you know, for so long, you get worried about, you know, how they're scoring and, you know, are they improving enough? Are they keeping up with the other kids with swings? Are they winning enough tournaments? But at the end of the day, it's so important that this is a sport they're going to play forever. And it's going to carry through with them through high school and college. And if they don't play in college, you know, maybe they'll play for fun with their fraternity brothers or um, they'll play in, you know, their career growing up. So it has to be something that you keep fun at this age. And so that's what we try to do as a family going to some of these events. And, you know, I'll just sometimes carry his bag and we'll chat about certain strategy, but we'll also play like some games out there and just say like, you know, let's take three clubs out of our bag and play the next hole with only three clubs. And so we've had a lot of laughs <laughs> with the sport. So it's been great. Oh, I believe it. Well, it sounds great. And I, I couldn't agree with more than with what you had just shared and said there. I'd like to take a step back though. And I want you to tell me what it was like introducing the game of golf to Asher and when that happened. Sure. So um, we used to be members of Willow Ridge Country Club in Harrison, New York. So he saw um, our family playing a lot there. And 
when he was probably about two or two and a half, you know, he started showing some interest in it. Um, you know, the plastic clubs came out and that was so, you know, so adorable at that age. And, you know, just trying Absolutely. to keep it fun, hitting balls on the range. I know you have young children I saw from your your Instagram. So it's, you know, it's so important at that age just to like have a ball with it and just have so much fun. And I remember when he was younger, like three and four, taking him out in the golf cart and just teeing up every every shot in the fairway. So obviously it makes the round twice as long, but it's just the experience of getting him to be able to, you know, hit it off the ground and not struggle and play from much shorter distances where they can feel a sense of, wow, like I just made a par at four years old from, you know, 80 yards out. It's, that's the key to it is just making it super fun at that age where they want to stick with it and they don't get frustrated and they're not running around the golf course because they can't stay focused because they're not hitting it well. I mean, it's, it should just be about like having a blast at that age. And, you know, I see followers on Asher's Instagram page where, you know, there's parents of very young players, three and four, and they're like banging balls for hours and hours. And it's, it makes me like, I remember back then, like that we always tried not to do that. And it's so important to do you know, fun drills with them and introduce characters at the time. I see um, Birdie Basics is one of the companies that we love and they've done a wonderful job with some of their educating. And um, that's the key to it is just keeping it fun and enjoyable for them to just keep an attention span at that age. Absolutely. Actually, yeah, I had Kate Tempesta, the founder of Birdie Basics, mm-hmm. Basics, come on for an episode a few episodes ago. And it was a fantastic chat about young development at those young ages from, let's just say, age two to six. And I totally agree with what you said, but I'm very curious because not every parent knows to do that. So how did you know to introduce the game of golf or just sports to your son like that and make it fun? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's always been a challenge at first because, you know, you see your child excelling at something and then you're, of course, the first thing in your head goes off is like, oh, my kid is going to be a star and, you know, he's going to be famous or go on the tour. And it's very difficult to separate reality um, because as the kid grows up and we saw this with Asher going to events all over the country, there are about a hundred thousand kids that are just as good. And so keeping that expectation of why are we playing the sport? What are we doing it for? What is he doing it for? It's not to be, you know, the best, it's not to win every event, but it's to introduce the sport in a way that's going to create some longevity. And it took me a while, you know, to get to learn that as well, because of course, when you see your child and you have coaches coming up to you at a young age saying, oh, wow, your kid is going to be a star. And, you know, you get every parent is going to get excited when they hear that. Um, right. Of course. It's, it's a thrill to say, oh, my gosh, my kid could be the next tiger. But I'm telling you and I want to tell other parents out there that there are so many kids that are good and there is so much competition. Kids are getting better earlier um, with technology and just you know, um, the equipment that's coming out. It's one of the most competitive sports I've seen. And I've, you know, played sports growing up and I can tell you it has never been as competitive as it is today. So it's really hard to have the mindset of keeping it fun, even at Asher's age of 11. I mean, I, sometimes when we go out, you know, the first thing you want to ask is, okay, what did you shoot? And it's, you can't ask those questions anymore. Now we have to ask, okay, if you didn't, like he'll tell me now and he'll offer up, yeah, I didn't do this well, or, you know, I was pulling my drives a little bit. And so instead of saying, why are you doing that? Which is a question I think 99% of parents would ask. I try to always check myself and say, well, what do you think you could do differently? Or, you know, let's go, you know, grab a bucket of balls and go hit on the range. Like we, we did this last night. He played with his school during the day and he, I picked him up at school, maybe about eight o'clock. And uh, I said, hey, do you have a good time? Do you have fun today? And he's like, yeah, I didn't shoot really well. You know, I was pulling some drives. He's like, do you mind if we just go over back to the range at school and maybe you can take a look and see what I'm doing? So within five minutes, you know, he hit a couple and we chatted about it and, you know, fixed it right up. And he's like, all right, let's go. So it's, we try to just keep it light and it's so hard. And I've learned so much from when he was younger to get better with, with that every day because just the pressure that parents can bring into it can really deter kids from continuing with the sport. For sure. I mean, what you just said there is somebody speaking with a lot of experience and people who have a lot of experience have also had failures and mistakes. What are some of those that you might have made in the earlier years of him growing up? 
Yeah, definitely. So I think probably the biggest mistake has been um, when he was starting out in tournament play, which is probably from ages. I think he, he started on the older side. I know a lot of kids now play four or five years old in tournaments at U.S. Kids, but he probably didn't start until about seven. And um, I think probably at that point, you know, it's good to have a caddy. It's important for them to have the support on the course so that they don't feel stressed or pressured. But I would say the mistake for me at that age and even starting to get into eight and nine when he became a much more competitive golfer is that I didn't allow him to make his own decisions. And it was not that we we fought or battled about what club to choose or anything. It was more just the caddy model at that age is actually, in my opinion, can be harmful to the, the child because it doesn't allow them to make mistakes on the golf course. And so the kids are not learning how to fail and how to accept failure, and it becomes an awful dynamic. Um, so what I found in the past year is allowing Asher to go out to these events and caddy on his own, even with, you know, other children that have their parent caddies out there. And I'm, you know, up at the green waiting and watching. It has tremendously improved his golf game. What was the turning point then? I think just seeing like him maybe struggling over choices that he made, which he didn't feel maybe I would have made. And so there was always that little bit of, I guess, stress dynamic. If I was, you know, on the bag where he, you know, he knows I play the sport and have a certain expectation of, okay, maybe my mom thinks I should hit this club, but I'm going to take this. And then I don't want her to be upset if I make an error. So it became a dynamic that I saw that I didn't like was happening. Um, I want him to make choices on his own on the putting green, to be able to read his own greens, to be able to know his yardages. Um, that is all of the important um, steps in golf that are going to help him when he's in AJGA, when he's in you know high school team, if he plays, and in, in college, is to be able to know his own game and to play his own game. And it became, um, and I think it's it's more because I play the sport. So this may not be the dynamic with parents who maybe have never picked up a club and their kid just got into it and maybe that caddying works fine for them. But for us, I think it is so much more pleasurable for both of us to be, you know, doing our own thing. So that means me, you know, cheering him on as, as a, a spectator and, and loving it and loving watching him having a great time and him out there, you know, improving his maturity and learning more about his game and being able to make his own decisions. And I always use the phrase, let them play their own game because I have seen some horrible uh, caddy relationships out there. Um, and oh, yeah. I never want to ever be a part of it. Um, we, we still see it to this day. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable at 11 to see parents lining up the putts for their child, to see them, you know, aiming them, um, to tell them which yardages they should be choosing, which club, which I, I just don't know how they're ever going to go out there and be able to play on their own. And so it worries me. And I'm just, I'm proud of Asher that we've made the decision that he's, going to continue tournament play with this model. And certainly like after a round, he'll ask me like, you know, what could I have done here? Or, you know, should I have used that club? And we'll, we'll chat about it then. And we always try to do that in a positive way where we're not, you know, rehashing errors or, you know, that's also another thing that I've gotten better and learned that you don't want to, after a bad round, um, after a bad round, rehash, you know, why did you do this? Or what did you do wrong? It's just, that's like rehashing a, a huge disaster over and over again in your mind. And so it's just to them even more stressful. So we've tried to make it more of like a positive, like what could we have done differently or, you know, look at it from a much more positive angle has helped. Right. No, I totally agree. I mean, going back to the caddy thing, I think it's a hot topic and it's something that we've talked a lot about in this podcast but to sum it up, I think the best way is what you said is just being a cheerleader. And one of the, one of the best pieces of advice I heard as well from another parent was get a good camera, be on the cart path and take a lot of pictures. Yeah. And if you do that, you'll enjoy it a lot more. And and that should be your, your role out there on the golf course. So I think you yeah. really summed that up very well as well. And to touch back on those co-rides home after a tournament. Did you guys have some difficult conversations or some disagreements or tough times that made you learn not to talk about some of those things after the events? Yeah, I mean, I think early on everybody does. Um, certainly when you're a competitive athlete as a parent and, you know, you know your child is capable of shooting a certain score or 
you know, capable of beating another competitor. I mean, of course you're going to, I wouldn't say be disappointed, but there's going to be a certain, you know, tone or certain questions that you may ask of why you didn't play as well as you could have. And so certainly early on, I think in the tournament world, being very competitive in sports, those conversations are always a little bit more difficult and, and challenging to kind of check yourself and say, you know, what is your ultimate goal here? The goal is for your son or daughter to want to play for more than four or five, six years. You want them to play when they're older. And I don't want him to look back and say, gosh, my mom, you know, pushed me to do this, or she wasn't happy if I shot X, or if I lost an event, it was a terrible car ride home or bad conversations. It's that is the hardest thing as a parent to be able to always check yourself when you're going to say something or make sure that it's they're already struggling if they didn't play well in their own head. You know, these are these are kids that practice. I mean, my son probably practices eight hours a day. I mean, between school and playing on the course. I mean, can you imagine doing something eight hours and then have an event and you don't play well and you're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. Like it's already hurtful to them that they failed on something they put so much time and energy to. So it's it's really difficult to be able to be supportive. Um, and that's something that I've learned tremendously over the past, I'd say two, three years is to be much more supportive when things don't go right and not question it or or compare to other another child or somebody that, you know, is at the other end of the world. Like, why do they score these type of scores? I mean, every kid is going to develop differently. And it takes, I think, a while for parents to realize that kids are on their own path, whether it's fitness path or growth, you know, swing path, everything is is at their own pace. So that's really hard, I think, for parents to to learn and understand. No, I totally agree. I mean, what tips would you have for parents when they want to say something or give some type of feedback, or maybe it's not that they need to give feedback, but they need to say something after the match. Like what tips do you have for using the right language and the right words when talking about golf, or maybe it's not even about golf, but just talking about something after the match. And let's just say it's a, the, the result wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. Yeah. So I found that I think the best thing to do is to let them bring it up. So you know, if you get in the car and maybe just turn the radio on and try to zone it out a little bit, but then allow them to say, you know, oh, I, you know, should have done this here, or maybe, you know, this is why I shanked right, or let them start the conversation. And then I I would say, rather than saying you should have done X, because there could be 20 different things you could have done better. You could say, you know, well, maybe we could work on this next week or we could try some different shots or maybe there's another way you could have done it. But to say things that I think more of a positive light and allow them to want to volunteer the information. Um, Mm, And that's one of the things even with, you know, my my son's in school for golf um, full time. So he goes to an online program at his academy. He spends, you know, two, three days a week on the golf course. And of course, the first thing you want to ask is, how'd you shoot? How'd you shoot? You know, everybody's trying to get handicaps down and, you know, they're 11. I mean, you have to just, I try to always say, you know what? It it doesn't matter what they shoot. No college is going to look at what a kid shoots at 11. And I I hope every parent knows that. I mean, nobody cares what you shot at us kids. Nothing under 11 is even rated uh, world rankings right now. So it's, it's more important. I think rather than saying, what did you shoot? Which is super exciting. I mean, everybody wants their kid to shoot under par. Even I want Asher to shoot under par every time he goes out. Right. But you're dealing with the most inconsistent sport out of any sport. I mean, consistency is even difficult at the PGA level. Oh, for sure. And that's why you never have the same winner week after week. So it's it's the same with junior golf. I mean, you could win one event and then not win another one for six months. It's not about what you shoot. It's about, you know, did you have fun? You know, who'd you play with today? Those are the type of questions, you know, and then I let him say, you know, my drive was a little left. I mean, that was exactly how the conversation worked last night. And it, you know, those are the things I have to check rather than saying, how'd you shoot? Did you play well? I mean, it's, it's, it's irrelevant at this age. Right. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, I think there's a a lot that you said there that parents need to understand and realize and also realize that at age 11, there's still a lot of time until he's even going to be looked at for, let's just say, college golf. And you can imagine from, let's just say, we're going to use Asher's age of 11, from age 11 till age 17, that's six years that a kid can continue to develop. And there's a lot of things that can happen in a positive way as well in those six years. So I think what you said there was huge. And I think it's a great realization to have. And 
sometimes I think we all have to sit back and reflect and just realize that we don't need these kids to be grownups. Let's enjoy childhood yeah. and we don't need to rush through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really important too, with like tournament selection, I would say, you know, there's just so many tournaments and, you know, us kids, hurricanes, you know, soon to be AJGA when they turn 12. I mean, there's just so many events and you're pushed and pulled in a million directions. And I would say, you know, younger on certainly to, you know, select their tournaments for them and what you think is appropriate. But I would say by 10 or 11, like have the child involved in what you're putting them in. I mean, you want them to have an ownership in their game and, to be able to say like, you know, mom, I don't really want to play in that. There's only like three or four competitors. Like I want to play in something where, you know, there's more competition, like allow them to have a say and, and show what their interest is or which event, you know, maybe they like one course over another or, um, but it's important to have them a part of that tournament scheduling just to have them feel that they have some sort of ownership and you're not just carting them around to events that you select for them. Great advice. I totally agree. Let's take a step back on Ash's journey because I want to hear more about his golf and I want to understand how he's developed into who he is now today. So he started at age two. When did he start showing interest that he actually really enjoyed golf and started mentioning and saying to you that he wants to go out and play or practice more golf? Yeah, sure. So um, when he was younger, I would say probably around four or five, we used to spend um, a lot of time in the winter down in Florida. So um, we had him work with Jim McLean for a few years and the Jim McLean school. And, um, he really started showing um, a pretty good um, interest in it. Um, definitely was looking to have some promising career aspirations about playing golf, whether it's just for college or on the tour. Um, but he just always wanted to practice. He also at a young age had a pretty big attention span for kids his age. So this was a perfect sport for him to really, show how much he likes to kind of hone in on something. Mm. So we saw that really early on where some kids at that age were like, after a whole, like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm over this. He was kind of out there like playing 16, seven holes at four years old. So it's that kind of showed us that, okay, he's, this is something that he loves and he is committed to. And certainly, you know, they're still so young. So again, that whole thing back to expectations is really important for parents. Like, don't have an expectation of anything at such a young age. Like it's, it's, it's not relevant yet. It's, it's something that they have to want to show interest. So, um, so that's kind of where it started. I mean, he, along the way was trained by a number of great coaches, um, spent some time at international junior golf Academy in in the Carolinas when he was around maybe six or seven, um, spent some time over there. And then now he's a, he's an Academy member at the golf performance center in Connecticut. And, um, the one thing we really love about that program is that it not only focuses on, on golf and technique, but it focuses really on the fundamentals um, of the kids at this age, which is centered around fitness, nutrition, equipment, mental ability. I mean, it's, it's so much more beyond just the golf swing. And I think that's another thing that took me a little bit of, of a while to grasp is that, you know, every kid's swing is very different and it's, based upon the way they move. So you can't have the same swing as every kid out there who's shooting even, or you can't compare your swing to other, other kids. It's going to be based on what your body can do and how it can move. And so one of the things we like about the school is the fact that they focus a lot on fitness. And so at this age, having an excellent basis of, of fitness and working out and even restorative working out, which I know my son does twice a week, which is stretching and, you know, mental and just thinking about your game and how you would approach a, sh- a certain shot. All of that is just as equally important as working on the golf swing. So um, those are kind of the things that have helped him along the journey. He also spends quite a bit of time just on his own at home, you know, working on certain putting technique and and things like that. So it's been a long road and it's exciting and he's put in a lot of work. So I give him a lot of credit for the time he spends. Well, it certainly sounds like it. Yeah. And, And does he play other sports or did he play other sports in the past as well? Because you touched on the fitness part and just doing... Mm -hmm other things besides just technical golf swings. And I agree that I think those things are so important all the way through a junior golfer's career, starting at an early age, all the way up until 18, 19, 20 years old, or even through the rest of their lives. So what other sports has he played or does he currently play? Sure. So he's played soccer since he was also about two and a half. um, And he continues to play. He's in a travel team um, in New York, which he's been a part of. And he's actually been with these kids since about two or three. So the same team um, through over the past eight years. And um, he also plays that pretty competitively. Um, That's about a three-day 
a week commitment and he loves it. I mean, it's so important to continue to play a team sport at this age. Um, golf can be too individualized and too mental. And it's also great to just have other kids who aren't golfers around him and a part of his life. And so he's played with these children for years and um, he loves soccer. I mean, he's, he plays really well and he's, he just loves having another sport. So it's, um, it's great that they do more things. I would say probably the most successful golfers nowadays have been ones that have played a number of sports. So it's, I definitely would suggest not specializing too early and allowing them to grow and develop. And, you know, it's only going to help their golf game that much more to have, whether it's basketball or soccer or whatever they're doing, it's going to help the strength in their golf game just to become a better all around athlete. Absolutely. How how do you find the time to balance out him playing two sports? Yeah, I don't really, I don't even know what the word time means. Um, (laughs) So, uh, and I work full time too, and I'm I'm a single mom. So I, um, I kind of cart him around everywhere. We have, you know, sitters that take him, but um, it's, it's pretty difficult. I would say Um, I would definitely credit my career for giving me the flexibility given his travel schedule. But um, yeah, I mean, we try to make it work. Certainly after school, um, I schlep him over to soccer two days a week. And then he has a game um, on Sundays, which sometimes if he has a golf tournament that takes precedent just because it's the end of our golf season. So he wants to get in kind of the last few tournaments, but um, he'll be playing a, a golf, uh, or excuse me, a soccer game uh, this Sunday. So he's, he's really excited, but yeah, it, it's a lot. I mean, it's definitely a big time commitment, but um until he tells me otherwise, you know, I'll do whatever it takes for him to uh, to continue to enjoy it. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm very sympathetic to you being a single mom. My mother was also a single mom raising me and my older brother. And all I remember as a kid, because we played a lot of sports, was my mom was at the game, in the car, to the next game, <laughs> back in the car, to the next game, and then we'd run home and she'd make dinner. And I'm sure that you have to be so organized and your time management has to be very good. So I give you a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Well, the good thing is I don't make many dinners now that he's eating at golf school. So thank you GPC for (laughs) that helps (laughs) for allowing that. So it's, it's, it definitely does. No, that certainly helps. No, that's, that's fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about his current golf Academy. Cause you touched on just kind of like the outer parts of it. So he's got all these different areas within the golf Academy. Mm-hmm. He's there every single day for eight hours a day. And how is it broken up like throughout sure. the day of what he's focusing on for golf and for education? Yeah. So um, the private school is actually within the golf Academy. It's called Ethan Allen preparatory. Um, it's an online school partnered with K-12, which I'm sure you're familiar with, but it's supported by teachers and educators that are there and on site at the academy. Um, there's four kids within the middle school, and I, I think a dozen or so in, in the high school program. And they're, you know, on a campus. It's it's beautiful. You can board there as well. Um, I know some of the older kids are, are boarding, but it, it works really well. I think every day is a little different. They start every day with a workout, which is great. I think that their philosophy has been, you know, working out in the morning kind of gets your your energy going and blood pumping to, um, to do your academics. So I drop him there every morning around quarter of eight and he has a workout. I think they head over to the main campus for breakfast together. And then, um, it depends on the day they could either go back to golf from like a 10 to twelve thirty window, um, or they do academics first and then go to golf after from like a two to five window. So it's, it's broken up depending on the day. And then they try to spend two days out on the course playing nine holes as an academy together. And then, you know, you could stay around after if you want, use the simulators or go to the range. And it's great. I mean, it's um, it's made our life easy that everything is there. Of course, being in this area and having a very short season, we would say um, it's a it's a great facility for them to be able to play all year round. That sounds like it. So who who made the decision to go to that school? So um, it was actually a pretty difficult decision for us. This is the first year he's doing it. And he actually enrolled about a month after his regular school had started. My concern at first was burnout. And that's one of the most important things to me is that he's not burning out with playing too much or being around the game too much. But uh, about a month into regular school and just dealing with the hybrid model, um, we made the decision collectively, him and I, to really think hard about it and whether it was something that he wanted. Um, and it was. I mean, his first thing that he said to me was, Mom, I just want to be able to practice more and I don't want to miss school. And he missed a lot of school last year for events that we traveled out of state for. 
Um, so with this model, it's a little bit e easier. He can take his work with him. If we have to travel to a tournament or we're out of the country for an event, he's able to keep up with his schoolwork. And so I think for him, that's just one less stress that he has to worry about with missing school. So, you know, it was a, it was a difficult decision because of the burnout, but frankly, I'm have zero concern with that now, just given how the program has been run. Um, they have that in mind. That is not the intention is to have any burnout at, at all. It's, it's so much more comprehensive and the class day is broken up so much from the golf. Um, and it's, it's really been an amazing experience for him so far. Sounds like it. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So I want to touch on some of your experience with parenting and raising him. And I want to talk to something that I think a lot of parents can relate to. And you said you guys travel all over the country to play in mm -hmm. tournaments. So what kind of conversations did you have with your job and work to let them know that you're going to be traveling with your son to play golf or might need to take time off or might have to mm -hmm. work remotely that might be beneficial for other parents to hear? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the tournaments, as you know, could be around a weekend. So it's a little bit easier. You know, we'll probably we try to go out a day or a day or two early for a practice round. And so I'm only, you know, taking a day or two here and there. But Certainly, you know, we'll be in Ireland for the world championships in April, and that'll be a much longer Very cool. um, time away. So I, I try to just manage it with vacation time. Um, it, it's it's a little easier uh, when you, you know, everybody explains the situation. And, and I'm with a very small firm, so it's, it's very familial, and they understand Asher's commitment. Our CEO's son actually played golf at Notre Dame. So I think he has a little bit of sympathy for the schedule. That helps. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's cool. We, um, we have a number of golfers at the firm. So we, uh, you know, everybody looks at Asher as the mascot there of, uh, of the company, but um, it, it's, it's been very flexible. I mean, I, I commute almost four hours when I go into the city to work. So it's, wow for me, it's working from home to have some flexibility is, uh, is really helpful and appreciated. So Okay, so you really are busy, and time doesn't mean anything to you. If you have a no, you know, on the days day before commute, <laughs> and then you've got your son, you got to you know send it to soccer practice, and then he's got golf, and you got tournaments on the weekend. You are yeah. one busy mom. I know, but I you know what I I love him. He's such a great kid, and he's he's appreciative too. He's you know he's still eleven, so we'll see in two more years when he gets into the teenage years how he's uh, how his attitude is. But we'll we'll see. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> What is it you think that parents misunderstand about the progression of improvement in the game of golf? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, and, and I, you know, I had to learn this too, was that you can't compare to other 11-year-olds or other 10-year-olds across the country. There are so many factors. Um, for us, the first factor we see is just the ability to play all year round. So, you know, my son will go out, out west, he plays down south. I mean, the kids play all year round on the golf course. And for us, that's, it's, it's, it's different to be able to compete at that level. And we've, you know, I don't know if I would say that that continues forever, that there's that discrepancy in the game. I would say it equals out as, as they get older and it's all relative. But at this point, you know, playing kids that are out West and kids down South who are able to play all year, sometimes at the younger age, it does create a little bit of an advantage. And so what we've tried to do, and we do every winter, is to pick a couple tournaments. Uh, we did this last year. We played two times out west. He played down south a few times in December. Uh, and we and we try to go down there and play. It's, it's important to be um, around those greens with the Bermuda grass and playing different conditions. So it's um, it's important for him and, and it's important for him to play kids that are, are better than him. And I would suggest with parents to always put your kids in events where there's going to be competition because your child will only get better. They'll strive to get better. And I think Rory said that growing up is that he always wanted to play against kids that were better than him. Um, it, it gets you to grow. So it's, I think there's something to be said about that. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. What are some of your fondest memories up until this point of watching Asher go through the journey of golf? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's funny. We just had a pretty interesting year in March. He had um, his first hole in one, which was actually, I, I got on video, which was, <laughs> I'm not sure if you, uh, you heard, but it, it kind of I went saw viral. It. Yeah. It kind of went viral because of my crazy screaming. And I, I just <laughs> never had seen a ball drop in a hole. And I've played, for, like I said, over 20 years. So that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Uh, and we were screaming. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I think it got like over 10 million views on Instagram. I mean, wow. the thing went no the viral. Way. 
mostly because of my hysteria, like golf digest wrote a story. (laughs) It went like European golf tour, golf digest, Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, like this thing went like, and people were obviously like, well, the mom's so excited. Like she's, (laughs) she sounds like crazy. And I'm like, listen, I don't like hearing it over and over again. I do sound like a nut, but when you're watching your 10 year old hit a 130 yard shot over a bunker, over a pond, and the thing drops in the hole, you'll be screaming too. I was like hysterical. Um, oh, so that I was one of the coolest things. Yeah, that was one of the coolest memories. You know, and then there's, you know, great memories like we just had in, um, he played a regional at US Kids, you know, and he had, you know, a, a tough first day. He was like sitting in 10th place or something. And he's like, mom, he said to me the next morning, he's like, mom, I'm shooting even today. And I said, you know what, if that's the goal, I said, I wouldn't worry too much about the score. Just go out and try to do better than you did yesterday. And he shot the lowest score of the day, one over. I mean, it was just, those are the experiences where you say like, this is so enjoyable for like you to see the excitement in your child's face that they're doing something that they love. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Do you think over and over, you just want time to stop and just wish that he would stay this age now? Have you said that multiple times? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see how far he's going to be able to hit the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so you want him to grow. No, I'm I'm joking, but it's actually, that's the tough thing is that as they grow, I mean, every couple months he's going through a growth spurt. And so like his swing will change. He has to tweak it a little. He feel, it feels awkward. So it's, I mean, this sport is nuts. I'll tell you it's, it's crazy. That's actually a very important point you touched on. And myself being a golf coach, it's something that I educate golf parents on a lot is that when the kids are growing and how kids grow, they grow differently than other kids. So some mm-hmm. kids' arms grow a little bit faster. Some kids' legs grow a little bit faster, torso, whatever. And it can affect their swing. And over a two-month period, you could have a kid who was playing excellent golf two months ago, done nothing with their swing. They've been playing and practicing a ton, but actually they have a little bit of a, a fallback in their game. And it's yeah. just because their their bodies are developing, right? And that does affect their golf swings. And of course they get through it, they figure it out, but we can't as parents constantly think that the progression is just this, this line that's mm-hmm. continuously and gradually going up, right? There's going to be those ups and downs for many different reasons. And oh, one yeah. of them is actually yeah. growth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the scores will fluctuate. I mean, it's interesting. Like you'll think, you know, you see kids on us kids at 11 shooting, you know, four or five under, and, and then, you know, the rest of the pack is in the seventies and, you know, those kids are not going to keep going down in the score. I mean, they're not going to be shooting fifties when they're 18. I mean, everything ends up balancing out eventually. And it's the reason why the scores at this age are so different is because kids are growing and developing at different rates. And it's really at this point, not really, it's, it's not relevant at this point. It's, it's, they're still so young to determine, you know, who's going to shoot what, who's going to win when they're 16, 17. It's, you know, there are, there are kids that don't even know how to play golf right now. They're going to play on the tour. I mean, it's there's statistics that have shown kids at 15 picking up a club and playing in college. Those are the things that parents, I think, and I've had to, you know, realize too, is like, just because your kid's good at six, I mean, you don't know if they'll even want to play at 11. And so keeping it, keeping it just mellow and chill and not being a nut about it. Like I've had to learn. I mean, I think we all have to take a step back and just say, you know, what could we do differently? That's going to keep longevity of this game in our kids' lives. And I think that's important. And and you talked, you talked a little bit about everybody grows different and going through growth spurts, their swing changes. I mean, I think one of the things we've seen that parents don't know enough about is equipment. It's so important to have equipment fit your child properly. I mean, there's kids, I know Asher plays against some kids that are looking for an extra 10, 20 yards and their drivers are double the size of their bot. I mean, they're, they're choking down to the shaft. And so it's just going to hurt their swings. And so that's one of the things we credit with the golf school is that they're so in tune on making sure the equipment fits them and that the kids are outgrowing the equipment and not the other way around. So it's um, really important that parents get it. You know, the U S kids clubs are great. I'd say for, you know, kids up until maybe 10 or 11, and then you can start looking at, you know, maybe an adult head with some very, you know, light shafts, but you know, there's kids 10 years old hitting steel shafts. I mean, it's, it's insane what we see out there. And I just hope the parents do the research on what's going to be most impactful for their swing and developing it and not causing injuries. No, I totally agree. It sounds like Asher's had a very positive experience through the game of golf so far up until this point. 
but what were some of the learning experiences he had that were difficult, but he kind of persevered and came out the other end in a more positive way? Yeah. So I would definitely say early on the kids are, and he was the same way. You get a little bit more emotional about this, you know, the game. And, you know, if you miss a putt or, you know, you, you miss a shot, you know, there have certainly been tears. I think every kid gets who's passionate about the sport can shed a few tears out there. And I think it's so important. And he's done a tremendous job with just focusing on his mental game, um, because that is, I would say 75% of the sport is mental. And I think a lot of that has to do with him out there on his own now on his own with the bag and making his own decisions. And he doesn't have anybody to make excuses for or or blame if a shot doesn't go wrong. He's, he's out there on his own. He's in his own head. You know, he's answering to himself and he's, he's making the decisions. And he, I say, you're the, you're the one hitting the ball and making the decisions. And so it's for him, it has made his mental state a hundred times better. He's like ice out there. We have parents say your, your child's like the ice of golf. Like he's so stoic. He's, you know, focused. He has a great routine. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with him out there on his own and, and just playing his game. And that's one of the things I credit with um, our decision to not caddy um, and not have a caddy at events is that he um, he's learned to manage his own game, his own expectations and um, make decisions that, you know, if, and if he fails, he, he's learning and he's learning failure and, and kids are just too afraid now to fail. And it's unfortunately not just in golf, but it's going through academics. It's, it'll, it'll harm, I think, everybody in life. If you don't teach a child to fail when they're older in their career, they're going to have so many failures. I mean, I'm sure you and me, we probably have failures all over the place. It's everyday life. And so we have to teach them now to understand how to react when you have a failure and make decisions to, you know, improve. And failing is part of life. It's, there's just this whole society, I would say, is trying to make kids perfect. And that's, I don't ever like to say that's what causes depression in kids or anxiety or, you know, God forbid something more serious, but it's already so much pressure on our kids with societal changes and educating and getting good grades. I mean, the last thing they want is to feel like they're failing in a sport, a sport that- Is supposed to just be for them to love forever. So that's my wish for him is to just always just love it and to have fun with it. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think making mistakes is, like you said, is part of life. And I think if kids can learn that and learn that on their own and even own some of the mistakes that they made. So going back to the old caddy conversation that we had is if they chose the wrong club, well, they realize that that was their mistake and they'll learn that next time they shouldn't hit that club in that situation as opposed Mm -hmm. to the parent grabbing the wrong club, they hit it. They're probably not going to learn from it and they might even blame the parent for taking the wrong club out, right? So I think you really summed it up very well there. And that's what we see. Like even at 11, we see parents choosing the club and that, you know, so they're, they're actually taking the yardage with the, the range finder. They're choosing the club and then if the child doesn't hit it right, they're yelling at the caddy and then the caddy's just storming off. And then the whole foursome is like affected by this cloud of just anxiety. So it's, I just, I swear, I mean, I love, I, I think us kids has done a phenomenal job with yardage and teaching kids how to score. And I just, the caddy model has to, it has to change. And maybe it's a course that it, they put, you know, caddies through and everybody has to take it, but it's, it, it's challenging. And I think it's, it's harmful to the kids if they do have a, a poor dynamic out there. What do you tell your son when those types of situations happen in his foursome? Yeah, I mean, he's just, like I said, he's pretty in his, into his own, you know, game and focus. But he, um, I just say, you know, have a great attitude and just think of your your game and what you need to do and, you know, focus on your own shots. And I think he's pretty good with that. He's, um, I'd say he's a fairly mature kid and kind of knows what um, what he needs to do to kind of tune that out. And he, 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 he laughs at it, frankly, because... He knows, like, when I joke about, kid, let the kid fail, let them play their own game, he's probably thinking, like, oh, my mom, would, I'm so glad she's not doing this. So I think he, we both <laughs> right. joke about it after because it's um, it's hard, and it's it's hard on the kid to have, you know, somebody telling them what to do. And, and it's funny because most of these parents don't have golf experience. So they're kind of out there telling the kid how to do a shot, but they're not a golf coach. So it's it's too much of a conflict. Yeah. I've talked about this a lot where there's, like, you know, you've got your roles 
And another guest of mine, his name is Gavin Grinvalwood, and he calls it the analogy of the three-legged bar stool. So you've got like one leg of the bar stool as a coach, one's yeah. the parent, and then one's the player. And if one of those legs is a little bit longer or stronger than the other one, then the bar stool won't stand up. If one of those roles is not there, so let's just say that there's no coach available to help the player, then they're not going to be able to succeed. And I also say that when those roles cross, there's also a lot of issues as well. Mm-hmm. So whether the parent tries to be the coach or maybe the coach is maybe trying to be the parent a little bit too much in certain situations, there can be issues as well. So they all have their own mm-hmm. roles. And I think everybody should stick to their roles and is a lot better environment for everyone. And you'd be surprised at the success that you'll have and the success you'll see from your junior golfer. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think um, it's just about going on a year that he's been caddying on his own. And it's interesting. It started when we played out West last, I think it was last December, we played um, in, a, in a Southern California championship and they did not allow caddies. And, I, you know, I was ready to carry, I'm happy to carry the bag if ever he's, you know, tired or wants it. Or um, so we got out there and they said no caddies. And so he's like, oh, great, you know, awesome. And I was happy spectating, you know, taking videos and he played like the best golf he's ever played in his life. Is that right? And, you know, he was calm, he was focused and, you know, he was 10 years old and he's like, I don't know what he shot one, two over. And we're like, all right, this, this is great. And he said to me, mom, I, he's like, I don't love carrying my bag and pushing the push cart. He's like, but I love making my own decisions. And so from there on, we just said, listen, if you want to do it and you, you carry your bag or you push a cart, whatever you prefer, and, and you can make your own decisions and, you know, certainly we'll do a practice round and I'll, we'll take some notes together and I'll help him with certain things. But, you know, he looks at the course book and he's focused on his notes and, Yeah. And I think it has everything to do with nobody to make excuses about a shot, nobody to complain when you come back to the bag, um, nobody to argue with what club to choose. I mean, it's, I always say like your child's game will take an enormous improvement if you let them play their own game. Oh yeah. I think that's huge. Something I thought about there that you just said is like, even if they choose and make the right decision, like let's say they read the putt and they make it, they're going to feel so confident and so great because it was their decision. They read the line themselves. They hit the putt, they made it. They're going to walk off with just, you know, they're going to be so confident and proud. They're like, all right, cool. I can do this. Right. And that just carries over the next hole and the next shot, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. We had an event, maybe it was like last summer and one of the caddies came up to me and and this was around the time when he um I think I was caddying for him but I wasn't actually going on the greens because he's he's a phenomenal putter so I never really did much of anything with the putting so I would just stay back on the greens and the next day it was like a two-day tournament a parent said to me how come you know my son said to me isn't it weird Asher's mom doesn't go on the greens and I was like well what's weird about it I mean if he's shooting 30 putts and I shoot 40 putts why would I want to go on the green and help him it's true right yeah so I'm, I'm like it's so I said well I want him to be able to read his own putts I mean you're not going to have a caddy forever right and then the dad laughed and he was like well you know we just thought it was strange and I, I don't think it's strange I don't know I feel like Asher thinks it's cool that he can go out there on his own and make his own decisions and he feels confident absolutely well you know I would say that the other culture of the other parent and family is probably just been in that that is what you're supposed to do you're supposed to go on the green you're supposed to read the putt and you know I, I coached golf in China and I played golf in China as well and when you play with the caddies from the club and you have to take a caddy the caddies will always line your putt up for you mm-hmm. and yeah. so on the first tee I always tell my caddy I said you know I'm going to line up my putt and then I tell all my students to say when you go play in a tournament and you have mm-hmm. a caddy because they have to have them in China you need to tell the caddy that you need to line up the putt yourself. And you know what? It's so difficult in their culture. And it's so difficult for a kid to tell an adult caddy that they're going to line up their putt for them. But like you said, I think it'll have so many benefits in the long term for the development of the children. So sounds Mm -hmm. like you definitely found the right track and you guys found it. Now he's flourishing over the last over the last year now, right? Because of it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had a great season. I think he's, gosh, he's won maybe 12 events this year. Um, Holy moly. Yeah, since January. And then I think he had like 13 top fives and a fourth at a world event and a seventh and top 25 at two international events. So he's had an awesome year. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of running around, but um, yeah, it's a good teaching and learning year for him. It's been really great. So we're That's cool. gearing up for some, some big ones at the end of the year. He'll be playing down in Florida in December at a big international event and, and then hopping over to Pinehurst 
at the end of the year for the Donald Ross. So we're looking forward to uh, closing out the season with a good bang over there. That sounds amazing. What What are his long-term goals? You know, I'm not, you know, he doesn't really talk too much about it. He definitely says like, I want to play, you know, division one or two or, I mean, listen, division one golf is, is hard. And I always say to him, you want to play in college, you, you, you want to play for where you're going to play. So like, you know, everybody wants division one golf. Well, it's all great until you don't play until you're a senior. And that's not golf. I mean, you want to be able to play. So whether it's division two or three, I mean, it's whatever fits you. And, and if you want to play as a freshman and it, it's important to you to, to be chosen to go to tournaments, you know, it may not be division one. So it's, I just tell him, you know, do whatever is the best fit for you and what your goals are. But I think he, he's definitely wants to play college golf and, I'm not sure about beyond that, you know, whatever he wants to do is kind of his, his thing. There's stuff that comes home from school where he says like, I want to be a PGA pro. So I think it changes every day. I don't know. Fair enough. Right. As long as he's happy. and Right. <laughs> as long as he's happy. And then he was on a podcast and told somebody who wants to do insurance. So I'm like, Oh boy, because we're going for like <laughs> <That's great. laughs> following in his mom's crazy footsteps. But um, that's great. Yeah. They're like, well, that's the first we've heard at a golf podcast. Somebody wants to do insurance. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. So do you think, Nicole, do you think you've grown as a parent because of the game of golf? I have grown as a parent because, yeah, I would answer yes, but I've grown because I saw some challenges with our dynamic that I didn't like. And so that made me, I think, realize that if I want to have my child continue to love the sport, to want to play it, whether it's competitively or not. I need to improve my discussions with him and how we have them, our goals as far as, you know, caddy versus non-caddy, certain things I had to change. And it's hard when you're competitive by nature to take that step back and look and say, what's the goal here? It's not to win. It's not to be the best in the world. It's for a child to play a sport that can be with them forever and not wake up one day and say, I can't believe my son doesn't want to play anymore. Um, because we've seen that with a lot of different athletes, right? Where they may be this star basketball player or star golfer as a kid and winning events all over the world. And then by 13, you know, they say, I don't want to do this. And so that's, to me, that would be so incredibly sad, especially when you have a child that has, you know, a, ch- a, a talent or has a gift to play this sport is for, for a parent to feel that they ever had an impact on the decision to not to want to play it. So it's been very hard to take that step back as a competitive former athlete and parent, but it's something that's needed. And I want to be able to share that and help other parents to realize that this is a game that takes a lot of focus and every kid develops at their own and you can't compare one child to another and just let them play and enjoy and not worry about scores and tournament at this age. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's taken a long time to get here. I would say I'm still learning every day. And certainly we all make mistakes in certain things we say and how we say it. And the key is to just realize and try to grow as parents and supporters of our kids in the sport, because it's such a great sport. You know, I think with all the information that you shared in this episode, I think a lot of people would like to follow Asher's journey. What would be the best place for people to follow along on his journey in the game of golf? Yeah, sure. So he's um, pretty big on social media. His social media Instagram is acatsgolf, A-K-A-T-Z golf. Um, And he has a lot of great followers. He um, actually is a brand ambassador for some pretty cool golf brands. So he he loves it. Um, He loves meeting new people and definitely um, representing some some cool golf brands out there. It's, It's been a great experience for him just with his social media. But, you know, it's important, I think, as kids get older to not have that much focus on social media because it can also be, you know, it can certainly be harmful for kids to be exposed too much. So we always try to, to make sure that we're monitoring that appropriately and that it's not too much out there. So uh, it's important that he's a part of that. And, you know, what we post, it's, it's a collective, which is good. I'll share in the show notes as well. Some of those um, links, especially the one with the hole in one. I think (laughs) everybody needs to see that if they haven't already. So I'll definitely share that and I'll share a link to his, uh, his social media. And I totally agree with what you said. 
But social media certainly is a good place for people to connect and for us to learn as well, isn't it? You know, certainly I've gotten the perks out of social media, but I also need to take a break sometime as well, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's important. I mean, I would say make sure parents are certainly monitoring the pages of kids this age. And, you know, certainly we get some inboxes from some interesting, <laughs> interesting people asking about, you know, his game and things. And, and you just have to be smart about it. And certainly not, I always tell Asher even, during his off time when he's doing his whatever Xbox, I don't even know what they do with those things, but to be very careful with, you know, social media and giving away information and just, it's, it's important for kids to be kids and to have that childhood. So I just, you know, make sure and make parents are monitoring the pages for, um, to make sure it's, you know, it's appropriate and the kids are, um, you know, shown at a good light and nothing that could be harmful to them. Oh, I totally agree. Before I let you go, I'd love for you to share some final words of inspiration for raising golfers. Yeah, I mean, I would just say, like, again, I mean, don't have any expectations, you know, let them have a great time, enjoy it. I see more and more parents starting when kids are super young, which I think is 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 great. I mean, that's so awesome. We Asher was two. I mean, he just started walking and he had a club in his hand. So I would just say at that age, even through like age five, six, when they start playing in U.S. kids events, just to keep it fun for them and, you know, have some fun times when you take them out, you know, as a family and, you know, don't keep score or let them hit a bunch of different shots, you know, do like a three club challenge. Like that's, he, he's 11 and we still do those fun kid things. So it's, it's great. I mean, uh, the other day we just did like pick a three club and it was a par five and it was pretty interesting to see him only get a bogey. I mean, I, I think I had a 10 in the hole with a putter and a pitching wedge and a seven iron. So it's, it's just, those are the things you're going to remember and it keeps the sport interesting and fun for them. Bet some different things like ice cream or, you know, whoever wins this takes the trash out for a week or, you know, just make it fun for them. Um, I know it sounds silly, but it's, it's what's going to keep them having this love for the game for many more years. So like I said, it's a learning experience. And I would just add one more thing that I didn't say earlier, but um, one of the biggest things that I learned, and I think a lot of parents can take away from this, is that your reactions and emotions can be felt by the players, even on the golf course. So you could be like 100 yards from them. And so I always try to be careful and just you know, you want them to have a positive experience out there playing and you want to have a positive experience as a parent or caddy or spectator. So just always try to have your emotions mirror that and be positive and supportive to them if something doesn't go right. No, I think that's great advice. I love that. You know, I would say, Nicole, you are the ultimate golf mom. And (laughs) I think that a lot of people listening to this episode are going to take so much away from it. And me, myself, as a parent, I took a lot away as well. So I really appreciate you coming here and sharing just your experience and the knowledge and everything that you've learned as a golf mom through this journey. Because if every parent was as knowledgeable and experienced as you are in the game of golf and just in sports Mm -hmm. for kids, I think the world would be a much better place. Yeah, thank you. I'll let Asher know that um, you followed his hole-in-one and I'm sure he'll be excited to hear you got a kick out of it. Oh, yeah. And you can tell him I watched it 10 times already. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, great meeting you. And thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. That was a fantastic interview with Nicole Katz, mother of Asher Katz. And I'll tell you what, she has a lot of golf knowledge. And I think she had so much to share with us today. It was amazing. I really enjoyed that chat. And I, I believe you're going to take a lot away from that episode. But a few things that stood out to me was the first one was that she talks about how golf has to stay fun and how important that is during the process and development of the junior golfers. The next thing she mentioned was allowing her son Asher to start caddying for himself. And she thinks that that actually was a huge jump in the progression of his game because he now has to make his own decisions. He has to own his own mistakes. And because of that, he's going to learn a lot and he's going to learn very quickly. And guess what? He also improved very quickly after starting to take a lot more ownership in his own game. I also like what she talked about is after the events, let's just say the player has a poor performance. She said the best thing that you can do is to wait for the junior to lead the conversation if it is that you want to talk about golf. Otherwise, just talk about other things in life. I think if we all had... I think if we all had as much knowledge and experience as Nicole does in the game of golf, I think that the world of junior golf would be a much better place. 
She's obviously done a lot of research. She's done a lot of thinking and reflecting over the last few years of Asher's junior golf career. And you can tell by just the way that she speaks and the things that she shares and experiences she's had that she has grown and learned a ton about this process. And I think that her mindset is on the right track. I think her relationship with her son has grown and improved over time because of it. And I believe that yours and mine will as well if we take on a lot of the information and knowledge that she shared with us today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast and the information you got from this episode, do us a favor and continue to support us by hitting that subscribe button and giving us a five-star review. Your continued support will help us continue to grow and be able to interview some of the most experienced parents, coaches, and players in the golf industry to help you continue to raise your golfer to their full potential.